This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's going on, big fella? So the rivalry is renewed with a whimper and not a bang as the Steelers knock off the Cleveland Browns 43 to nothing. And they start with a horrible snap all the way back to the two-yard line and the Browns bouncing into the end zone where they wind up with a touchdown. With the first pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns select. And the Pittsburgh Steelers become the first franchise in history to win six Super Bowls. A lot of stuff to talk about. It's a great week to be a Browns fan. Not a great week. To be a Steelers fan, and I'm going to talk to my favorite Steelers fan, Trey Essex. Pod me up. What's going on, my man? What's going on, brother? You see this uh, smile wish... on my face? You see this smile? Yes. This is a Joe Flacco you know, smile. You know what, what really pains me is the fact that for years we've been trying to get this podcast up and running, and during all those years. You couldn't smile like you're smiling right now. No, there was there was not a lot you of smiles. Been able to, it would have been a straight, depressing Browns version of you had we done this years before. But it just so happens we started, everything worked. Planets had finally aligned for us to do our show. And right now, the state of the Browns and the Steelers, I don't like it. It's a beautiful thing. I don't like thing. where we are oh, in relation to you. It's a beautiful thing. Um, for the first time in my NFL and post NFL life, the Browns are the better team. Now we're seven and six. Both of Dare us. Did I say a little envy? Do I see a little envy? I don't know. Not quite. Do I see no, a little envy in your eye and in your in your voice when you look at the state not, of our teams? Not, we're gonna talk about the state of our teams. I'm not envious in the least bit. I'm just a little perturbed, for lack of a better What's word. What's there to right be now? perturbed about? Man, y'all are spoiled. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. What does that mean? I mean, we're allowed when you have been as great as us, and it's all relative. When you have been the shining example of what NFL team should look like, and now you're wading in the waters of mediocrity, and not even it—it it would be a compliment to say we're mediocre right now, it even would. at seven to six. It would, I, you know me; I'm not trying team. to twist the knife. I don't—I don't do that. I—I'm just—I don't hate your team. I mean, I don't always hate your team. I just love mine. And it's a good time to love mine. It's a great time. You, to love you know mine. what's even worse though? What's even worse is that I'm getting pity. I'm not even getting the hate that I normally <laughs> get from the Browns. That I, that I used. I, I actually appreciate it because it just lets me know that we're big brother and your little brother. And sometimes there's hate there. But now little brother feels sorry for big brother. Yeah. And I don't like that feeling at all. It's 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 been a tough time. And so for our first official podcast. We've got a fun one planned. Um, we have a couple topics we're going to talk about with NFL parody. Um, we have a fun segment we're going to do called Grind My Gears. And you, my man, we're going to get back to our teams because you were almost the subject of my Grind My Gears. I saw something you put out on Twitter. Now, we talked about some ground rules. Ground rule number one, and I'm going to reinforce it as often as I need to. We will never play Renegade on this show. Renegade is not happening. We may not play the actual song, but I, I, I will hum it. It might be a couple of choice lines I might take from the song to include but we won't play the whole song just out of respect for you guys you, you humming i'm gonna be over here rules, humming michael stanley here we go again it's the cleveland browns <laughs> and it's first and ten 
Oh man, please don't sing that again. Oh, you, first of all, I don't want to hear that song, and I don't want to hear your voice. <laughs> you, should, you should see my kids, my wife and my kids. I play that throughout the house all Sunday morning before every game. So I just got it fired. My wife, my daughter, she runs down. She's got her fingers in her ear. Not again! What are you doing? <laughs> what is it with kids? I have the voice of like, what? What did they say in Step Brothers? Baby Jesus and Fergie. Yeah, I have that type of voice. We are the songbirds of our out. generation. My, and my kids can't stand it. Like my my son tells me, "Daddy, no, no." Every time I try to sing a song that he likes, but you know, oh, it's it a problem too. Because I I like to get up. I like to do a little karaoke. Like we go on cruises. I'm up there. You should have seen the the look on my kids' faces when I sang La Bamba in karaoke. I remember. I bet you killed it. Oh man, I bet you killed I it. I learned the Spanish words and everything so that I could sing the oh. whole song. Oh yeah. Oh, you were devoted. Oh yeah. <laughs> you you really leaned into that one. I like it. But um, so, yeah, we have a few ground rules. Uh, one is we're always going to call it Twitter. So back to what I was saying is we have a fun segment we're going to do. Um, we're going to do this a couple times a week, but our Monday, Tuesday show, whenever we get together and record this, we're going to call it Grind My Gear, something that we saw over the weekend or something that just pissed us off. And yeah, and you, and my man, world, in this day and age with social media, we got plenty of content. For you, that you know, the love I got for you, but. You, your little Twitter poll that you put up there, it almost grinded my gears a little bit because it just showed how spoiled, just how spoiled you guys are as a fan base. Oh, I did my job then. You, oh, I'm man. Glad I get in your skin a little bit. If you guys didn't see it, my guy is out here with a seven and six football team talking about, oh, it's okay. We can chalk this up to a rebuild. No, this is not a rebuild at seven and six. You don't get to be 500 and call that a rebuild. Do you know how many? Why not? Yep, man. You know how many double-digit losing seasons I had to go oh. through that we called rebuilds. Your gears are getting grinded off oh, the early. They're, they're, they're grinded. <laughs> they're ground. It's you. Uh, you almost got me there, but we'll get into that well, more with the state of our team and stuff. But I saw that, I was like, this guy. What is he talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're as great as us, man, the bar. Your, your bottom is a little bit higher than the ones that have just been living down there this entire time. So, well, I just can't like wait to said, get to the, if we get to the playoffs and we get a matchup with Baltimore, I can't wait to see you buy into Flacco mania and wear a little Elfie hat and a little Elfie shirt. And cause I know you'll be rooting for us over Baltimore. That's a given. That's taking it too far. I would, I would root for y'all over Baltimore. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, Baltimore is still number one on my most wanted, most hated list. Um, Cleveland is not far behind, but I will definitely see that Flacco is for the Browns right now, playing for the Browns and playing well, mind you. The irony in them playing in the playoff game versus Baltimore would be too sweet not to enjoy. So, You brought up a good question and a point, and I'll let you kind of explain where you were coming from. You were talking to me while we were getting ready to do this about parity in the NFL. Yeah. And you had some questions. There's a couple more. Like I said, we're going to kind of dissect our teams a little further, our coaches. Yeah. Um, we're going to let you get a little vent session out because I know you're just not in a good spot mentally. No, no. To to, and it, last week we had two games in a four day span versus two and ten teams, and when we were looking at that schedule, seven and four, looking at those two games. We're in a pretty good position right now. Pretty good spot. Uh, you look at those games, you like, oh, those are wins. To be fair, to be fair, Arizona win. just getting Kyler back, not your typical 2-10 and 10 team. You know, a lot of those losses were with Dobbs and before Kyler came back, and they were kind of trying to tank and lose a little bit. So that one, not your typical 2-10 and 10 team. They're, the Cardinals are a little bit better than your normal real bad team, but the Patriots have been playing the terrible. The Cardinals has had – they. They beat up on Dallas earlier this year. They gave a couple of teams some room for the money. So I understand they had some talent, but getting still like two. And it wasn't like Kyler was the one that killed us. It's just the lack of um, like intensity and effort that and, was displayed uh, last week. sloppy game really, in the rain too. Yeah, in the rain. And then we follow that up with making Bailey Zappi look like the next coming of Tom Brady and in that first half. And Mind you, we're dealing with injury. Kenny's hurt, obviously. We got Mitch in there, who didn't play well in his first uh, timeout, did improve in the second half. But still, 
this team has left a lot to be desired, a lot to be desired. And like I said, I wish I could call this a good team, even though we're technically in the playoff hunt. Um, we're holding the sixth spot, I think, right behind you guys. And all we control our destiny from here on out. We got the coach this weekend. So obviously a win would go a long way. Um, but this team does not inspire confidence. And for the first time in my Steelers career, while playing with them and for and afterwards, I, I don't know where we're going to go from here. And so that kind of leads me, that's the state of us right now, but like kind of leads me into the whole parody versus dynasty argument. When we were, I guess, quote unquote, a dynasty, we had our years in the seventies and then in the early to mid two thousands, I felt like the world was a better place. The sun shone a little brighter. Gas the prices grass were lower. Milk Gas was less expensive. Food tasted a little bit better when the Steelers were a dynasty, or at least on the precipice of being a dynasty. It was probably New England and then Pittsburgh during that run in the 2000s, mid to early 2000s. And, and later on, like in 2011, we won our, our sixth one. And so um, this year has been a contrast because when you look at the NFL and you look at it from top to bottom, I saw a stat today where there are still 30 teams with four weeks left in the NFL. There are 30 teams left with a legit chance at the playoffs. Yeah, only the Panthers only two and teams Patriots? That are eliminated. Are pa Panthers and Patriots yeah, the only, only two? The Panthers and Patriots only one that have been eliminated. Obviously, Arizona is a long shot for them, but by and large, most of these teams, a lot of these teams, 24 of them, as a matter of fact, are either in playoff position or one game out. And so you can't really have a better word to describe the season other than parity, which I think as a fan – you would have to appreciate because I think if you look at the fans in general, you can honestly say that your team has a chance, but is that really better for the NFL or is the NFL better off having a team, a dynasty, a, the Patriots going on a, on a 10 year run or whatever, being one of the best teams, or you know that they're always in contention to win the championship or like Kansas city, who is probably the closest thing we have to a dynasty right now, but they are in the middle of the pack, how they're looking right now. And so, so what I'll say what to that you is you're, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking from a position of privilege and in a position okay. of being spoiled again as a Steelers fan. I don't know if it's and a former Steeler earn it though. We earn a former Steeler. You're speaking from a, you know how long that I've longed to be a part of parody. <laughs> don't you take this from you me tell. now. You, you, you realize there's a better, there's a more than real chance. The Browns could still get the number one seed in the AFC with yeah. the way that the, the schedules are lining up. So however you it. need to cut that and shape that and do mental gymnastics in your head, that's a beautiful thing that I'm two weeks from Christmas and we're on our quarter, our sixth quarterback of the year. We're on our eighth and ninth offensive tackles of the year. Nick Chubb's been out since he played that team in Pittsburgh. And we got a chance to win the division. We'd be leading two of the other three divisions. And that I think is a good thing for, I think it's a good thing for fans um, because the interest is there and taking our teams out of it. Right. And, and I get exactly what you're mm -hmm. saying. Taking our teams out of it. You look at a team like this weekend, the bears who just mopped up Detroit, the bears are one game out of the playoffs in the NFC. Now they're five and eight. And, and Tom Brady talked about this a while ago where I don't think it's good. So, this is where I'll agree with you that it's not good for me as a consumer and me as somebody who loves football. And we've talked a lot. I know a little bit about the game. You know, I'm not a former player, mm -hmm. but I know a little bit about the game. And there's a lot of bad football being played that is causing this parody. That's what I don't like. That part is true. You know, it's not a, it's not a product of everybody elevating themselves and teams elevating themselves. Um, it, temper tantrums aside, officiating is probably at an all-time worse than the NFL. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, and I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes and his temper tantrum, but, um, <laughs> and I don't even think that was about officiating. I, mean, I think he's, he's just been, fed in up. his defense, he's been holding in for a long time. But yeah, it, that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And it happens one week after a non call on a pass interference, you know, robbed right. them. So it was just a perfect storm. But that aside, you know, the Browns won this week and Miles Garrett still took it upon himself to call out the officiating. Because the guy's getting choke slammed and hands to the face and stuff, and I get it. If you're if you're going to be allowed to do it, you're going to do it. But their point is, 
you want the same calls for the defense as you get for the offense and be consistent with the calls. Um, Patrick Mahomes' anger was misplaced. We're taught in middle school as a receiver, you come up to the line, especially in the fourth quarter of a one-score game, check with the line judge. All you got to do is look over yeah. and make sure you're on the ball, and he's going to give you a thumbs up. Did you see up. that segment by Dan, though? Did you see that segment I by Orlovsky? I did not. He uh, he pointed out four or five other times where he lined up exactly the same and did not get a call. So that kind of points to the consistency of the referee. The, yes, and that's where it's age. a referee problem. Yeah, and so granted, yeah, Tony, elementary school, uh, Pee Wee League football, you know to look at the ref to make sure that you're lined up correctly. Um, and he wasn't. He was offsides. There was no doubt about it. Like, at the end of the day, he was offsides. Yeah, he was offsides. It, it was the you right hate call. To see that it was just, take away, yeah. Yeah, you hate to see it take away such a great play, but. And it's not like the offsides. ref watched the outcome of the play. So we hate this in the NBA, right? Like, we'll see a player get fouled or mugged going to the hoop, and ref will swallow his whistle until he sees if the ball went in or not. It's not right. like the ref did that immediately flags in the air. The ref didn't know that Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey was going to do some some backyard smear type stuff and throw the ball 40 yards across his body across the field and for a game leading touchdown with a minute left. The the call was made, right? Um mm-hmm. before any of that transpired. It sucks cuz it was a great amazing play, but that's 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 where the officiating but yes i I think parody's good the outcome of parody and having all these matchups like we're looking down the wire now here's what i'll say when you have parody there's a better than not chance nobody's going to be resting players week 18 now yeah you know i I hate it that's gonna work good for the, the 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 browns missed the playoffs a couple times because other teams that they were vying against for the wild card were playing teams resting starters in week 17 and they needed a loss, you know? So mm-hmm. you want to see the players play. And what I do think the NFL has done is smart is the one seed matters now with the 17 playoffs, because now yeah. you're going to have, even if you got your division wrapped up, Baltimore is going to be playing Pittsburgh in week 18, trying to get that bye week. So instead of getting the bye week in week 17 or or 18, they'll just get it in the wild card. That that game is going to matter for them to win now. Exactly. And so, yeah, and like you pointed to, I think a product of parity is there is bad football being played out there. It's not, ex- at least this year, it's not uh, an example of all ties lifting all boats. It's the, quite the opposite. There have been a lot of bad plays. But when I watched the Monday night game last night, the two Monday night games, which by and large had four teams. I mean, I guess you could say Miami's one of the better teams, but four teams that were either mid or below mid in Tennessee, Green Bay, or Tennessee, Miami, and then Green Bay and the Giants. But it was actually entertaining football to watch. Um, Tommy Cutlets, baby. That. Tommy Cutlets. <laughs> it's like Lynn Sanity in New out. York all over again. He balled up. Did you see his agent? He's got the, the mob on the sidelines <laughs> doling out the gabagool. They're they're out right. there they're out there just rolling deep in the meadowlands. Did you see their tailgate that his family put on? No, I didn't. Oh, not. the giant sandwiches they're making people at the tailgates and stuff. Tommy Cutlets hey, Daniel Jones is gone. That's Tommy Cutlet's city now. It might it might be his squad. I mean, they they got to pay Danny all his money, but they can get out of it after next year anyway. And so, the way the type of excitement he's bringing to a team that was what four and eight before last night in New York, where you know media will eviscerate you in a split second. Um, but they were excited, and the way he was playing, all the way he seems to be getting the other teams involved and, and other uh, his other teammates excited and and more motivated to go out there and put their best product on the field. It bodes well, especially for a team in the media market that New York is. And so, yeah, I think I'm a little biased. I appreciated my dynasty years where we were the cream of the crop. But if I'm being truly, truly honest, I do appreciate parity because as someone who just consumes all football, I'm a Steelers fan through and through, but I watch it all. And I like to see different players in different situations how they perform on different things and whatnot. And so to get this type of product where there are more teams playing for more at this point in the year, I think it's a good thing for the fan as a consumer. It's a good thing for the casual fan because there aren't as many bad Thursday night matchups. You remember it seemed like 
previous years, there's always some kind of blowout. There was still a lot this year. We still get some of that. We still get some of that. I think they oversaturate us with certain teams, too. I've seen the Jets on primetime. I don't know how many times this year. Dallas is always on primetime. Dallas is either in the 430 block or primetime every week, and they're having a good year. But they just oversaturate you with teams sometimes with that stuff, especially on Sunday night and Monday night. So – I think mm-hmm. the rule is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't every team have to have a primetime game in the NFL? Yeah, and I think those rules just switched even more recently to give more teams right. at least two, especially with so all the, the crap ad, teams like, are getting Thursday night, like Thursday night, and now they got Friday night games after Thanksgiving, and now Saturday games towards the end of the season. Like the NFL is going to be on every day at some point. Yeah, and it's. Again, I like the parody. I like it for, I like it from a betting standpoint. Um, yeah, you know that's that's another thing we're gonna do. We're gonna throw, we're gonna toss some stuff out there betting. Um, we might do that later in the week as we as we lean into a weekend though. Maybe we'll put together a couple picks. You and I can go head to head. You you want to do a friendly wager? Yeah. A little, have a little fun. Dude, my my luck has been horrible this year. Every time I make a bet, I, I think literally I've only won once this year. So, <laughs> yes, I will participate. Not very confident. No money. How about we do it? We make it fun and no money. We'll do something silly like a, a challenge or, you know, losers got to do 10 push-ups. We'll do something fun with it. Or maybe, yeah, we, maybe yeah, yeah. You, we'll throw it out on Twitter every week or something like that where people can kind of tell us what should the what should the payout of the bet be this week. Maybe we do a little poll on Twitter or something yeah. like that. I like that. And then, um, so yeah, maybe Thursday before we record Thursday, we'll throw that out on Twitter, put together three or four games, go head to head and uh, pick some games for the weekend. Um, back yeah, to man. the, back to the parody. I, I have one theory I want to share with you. Okay. And I'm watching these games and I think the 49ers are in the process of finishing this job. And I think Kyle Shanahan is brilliant. Kyle Shanahan has effectively learned how to do with quarterbacks what his dad did with running backs in the NFL. Yeah. He could plug and play running backs in the 90s, and you got 1,000 yards. Um, Mike Anderson, Alandis Gary. Didn't matter. uh, It did not. Mike Bell. He had 1,000-yard backs every year. Yep. Didn't matter who it was. That is now – Kyle Shanahan with quarterbacks, which is why I thought it was so silly when they traded three picks for Trey Lance. John Lynch may win executive of the year this year. He may have last year. I don't even remember. And any other GM is fired for that move. When you trade three first round picks for a quarterback that never sees the field. Well, yeah, but most GMs weren't managing the team that was already built to win. You know? Yes. They were in a very fortuitous situation where he can make that type of blunder. And it was a huge blunder, but not many teams find their starting quarterback the next year in the seventh round. Right. You know? And and but it's kind of and that's where I think the 49ers are finishing the job. And I was kind of looking back and seeing Patrick Mahomes meltdown reinforced this thought for me. But They've gotten it wrong about the quarterbacks in the NFL. Teams have been overpaying quarterbacks and overvaluing quarterbacks. When you look at Brock Purdy, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl. And don't get me wrong, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, hand down. Yeah. But that roster was built when he was on a rookie deal for the most part and on his first cheap extension before the next TV deal blow up blew up. Now that he's losing those pieces and he doesn't have receivers that can, I mean, they might as well run three tight ends and Justin McKinnon in routes in Kansas City because the receivers are not good in Kansas City. Yeah, and it, what what kind of drives me a little crazy, and I, I know his extension, and he's not even the highest paid quarterback in the league right now. No. He's like 10th or something, and – I know they just did something with his deal recently to give him more money up front, but yeah, they're always restructuring I mean, I, those deals now. By and large, even though it, it, it looked humongous when he first signed it, it was said to be a team-friendly deal because yeah. of the length of it, because it was a ten-year deal. So I don't know if his situation quite applies to this because 
first of all, he's a generational type quarterback that already has proved he can win with lesser talent. Great. He still had Kelsey, but they get rid of Tyreek Hill and they win the next year. Like, I mean, with, with the lesser cast, he had Juju Smith Schuster as his number one receiver last year. And so um, it's obvious. And, and we think about this with Brady. He won a lot of his Super Bowls, even when he was taking lesser deals with subpar talent at wide receiver, specifically. He had Gronk. Gronk was the ultimate X factor, just like Patrick Mahomes has Kelsey. Well, and tight ends weren't but, paid what receivers were paid either. So you could fit that yeah. in you could fit that into the salary cap still. But what they did is they always max they maximized Brady's offensive line. Yeah. And they've been trying to do that in Kansas City. I mean, they, they Orlando Brown and now and sometimes I mean, you and they and drafted well. Like Kansas City has drafted wide. It's not like they haven't tried, but it's almost like they thought they could just draft the wide receivers to replace um, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. And I mean, these are the guys that they were winning with. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a development thing there or what have you. I think, and again. Patrick Mahomes is the is is he'll go he if he doesn't get hurt he'll go down as one of the top five quarterbacks of all time if not top two and even he is seeing the frustration of not having as good a supporting cast around him now yeah but he has bad wide receivers not even good ones he has a bad cast but that's what we talked about in the NFL that's what the NFL is right now yeah. The NFL to me is bigger, stronger, faster, less skilled. I think the same about the NBA, especially at the skill position at, at the skill positions, because in college, these systems are speed and space. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're just getting the ball into a playmaker's hands and letting them run, and all the they're just schemed open, and that's why you can get a guy like Brady or uh, excuse me Brock Purdy to come in in San Francisco, who has a very high football IQ, can pick up Kyle Shanahan's system, and boom, he takes off. Where you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan who's scheming guys open left and right. Yeah, and I do I do think. Brock Purdy does not get enough credit for his own skill set and what he brings. I think it's the perfect marriage between those two guys because Shanahan's system is Shanahan's system. Around it, he made Jimmy G look halfway decent. We saw what he looks like with the Raiders. Yes, now. like he made. If he could build a quarterback uh, in a petri dish, it would be Brock Purdy. Caution. It would be Brock Purdy. High IQ, and takes care of the ball. He is accurate. Yep. Um, knows and his role. A lot more athletic than people to give yes. him credit for. Um, not so, afraid to take all, shots. All, and that's the difference between him and Jimmy G is Jimmy G was Jimmy Checkdown. Kyle would scheme these guys open all over the field, and Jimmy would not throw the ball. And Brock throws right. the ball to them and throws it well. Right. And and so, like, sometimes you just get lucky because, any, like, you, like, you started the segment out with, anytime and most times when a team devotes as much, as many resources into an absolute bust – like San Fran did with Trey Lance, it usually sets your franchise back years. Yep. You saw what happened with Chicago when they drafted Mr. Trubisky, and they traded with San Fran, ironically, to move up a spot to get Mr. Trubisky, even though San Fran probably wasn't even going to take him. Or they definitely weren't. They ended up getting like Solomon um, Thomas or something. That's right, or, yeah. Or Javon, or Javon Kinlaw, one of the D linemen that they got. And so um, you, you see and Chicago was back at it. A couple of years later, drafting Justin Fields, and now we're having the same conversation about them maybe trading Fields, even though he's been playing really well and he's given the, everybody a lot of pause about moving on from him. But you've the seen the latest. You've seen the latest possible landing spot for Justin Fields, haven't you? I hope it's Pittsburgh. That's what I was seeing. <laughs> I hope That's what I was seeing. Um, but I. I Ultimately, I think Chicago would be silly 
not to take advantage of the situation they'll be in next year in the draft and just trade back and fill holes because they have way more bigger issues than their quarterback position right now. But yet and still, you see how long it's going to take Chicago. They may not be competitive even for a few more years because of the miss, the swing and miss they took at Trubisky. But San Fran was oddly situated with a good base because how they drafted previously, uh, really heavy on both lines. And they got a, a, a beast in Kittle in like the fourth round and got Debo oh. in a later round. There's not been a and, luckier franchise than San Francisco when it comes to drafts. And draft. then you trade, yeah. what, a third-round pick for Chase Young? I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Dude, Shame on Washington. Randy, Randy Gregory off the, the trash heap after he got released from Denver. Like, they, they are stacked. And you know the only thing San but, Francisco can't figure out is their DBs. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That's true. They cannot figure out their DBs, and so they bring in a whole bunch of veterans. But something just came to me. San Fran's not the only team that was able to overcome that. You know who the other team was? He took a swing and a miss on a high-round quarterback and still was oddly situated to be a good team? The Eagles. Yes. The Eagles, I don't know how they got past the Carson Wentz fiasco. Not only did they draft him, they gave him a big-time contract. So I was doing C- I was working at CBS Sports Radio in Tampa when that pick happened, and I had the North Dakota or wherever the hell he played college football, North Dakota – people Mm -hmm. all in a tizzy because i had said carson wentz is not going to be a franchise quarterback (laughs) and they lost their ever loving minds i i didn't know that the people of north dakota were that passionate about about their division one double a football team but man no they are did i ruffle some that team is uh where uh I think Josh Allen, did he go to North Dakota? No, no. Who's Wyoming. He went to Wyoming. Quarterback? Uh, it was Trey Lance. It was, it was Trey Lance, right? Yeah. Um, no, that that they dominate Division One AA up there, and so they're passionate. That's all they have. I don't, they got bison. What else is in North Dakota? Boils. They pipes. Yeah, they drink a lot. <laughs> they drink and they they build pipelines. They and take so, people from Canada and. <laughs> Hang out and so they golf. love their football. So I'm not surprised they went at you hard. Oh, when and you it talk snows about Carson. all the time. What a I love I love the people of North Dakota. I'm you know not for me. Certain things not for me. If if we <laughs> ever get a call that says, Hey, Rody Trey, we're gonna give you a million dollar deal to come and do your podcast, but you gotta live in North Dakota, better make it too. Cause I am not <laughs> no. I cannot live Dude, in North I've, Dakota. I've lived in South Dakota. Oh, for a good portion of my my childhood, well, like two or three years, when my dad was stationed there. So, oh, okay. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with the area. I had a buddy who worked radio up, up there, yeah. and he said he said um, everybody's got to have flood insurance because the snow melts and then it floods the first level of houses, not from rain, but from wow. the snow melting where he was at in North Dakota. See, if you got to deal with all that stress, you better have something have some outlet in North Dakota State right. football is it. I, I guess, so. yeah, you're right. But, yeah, they, they came at me. But, yeah, you're right. The Eagles did, and then they snuck into – but now they're going to start feeling it too with Jalen Hurts' new contract. So, yes, I, I've had this argument with other folks. They feel the demise of every team that was once good always starts at around the time that their quarterback gets a, an extension. And there are lots of examples that would lend itself the to Panthers, Joe Flacco, your quarterback. The, oh, my your quarterback. quarterback was a, <laughs> my quarterback, your Joe quarterback, Flacco. who had perhaps Woo. one of the best Super Bowl runs in history with Baltimore or got that money, and then Baltimore went to the tank almost immediately. But that's the easy way to look at it. I think that's a surface way when there's so many other issues I think they go on with different teams, but you can always point to that because it seems to be a consistent theme. It happened with Seattle and Russell Wilson. Um, got his big money. Well, they and and I'm not, I'm even, I'm not even just talking about teams that have been good because, you know, we could point out Cam Newton in Carolina. You know, if the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl, is it worth it? And then you start paying money like that and you got to win multiple Super Bowls. You know, I'll say this as a Browns fan. As of right now, the Deshaun Watson trade may be the worst in NFL history. We've got no. we've, we've gotten nothing out of Deshaun Watson as a player. 
like absolutely zero from Deshaun Watson so far. And this leads us into kind of our next topic is we want to talk about the state of our teams. And you you brought up some stuff, and I'm going to let you get it out. I'm going to let you get it off your chest a little bit. Um, no, you're not rebuilding. Let's put that to bed right now. You are not. We are. This is not a rebuild. Rebuild is top. This is a rebuild. top five pick. It helps me. Don't you take this away? From me. <laughs> this is how I can justify and feel good on Sundays when we put out that product. I can tell myself, you know what, Wusatre. You know, Wusa. I saw. I saw. This is a rebuilding year. Our rebuilds just look better than the Browns' rebuilds. I saw and a graphic that said. Joe Flacco, 250-yard passing games, two in the last two weeks, Steelers quarterback zero since Ben Roethlisberger, or something to that effect. Well, Kenny had a two-second game. It was like two first game and post- two touchdowns Canada. or something. Oh, well, the two touchdown parts, yeah. yeah I get, I get that. <laughs> yeah, the two touchdown parts, I, I, yeah, we haven't seen that in a while. Um, and that's and before – so I'm going to let you get it out, but – I was kind of looking at this stuff, and you and I will text on game day just about different stuff, different games going on. Um, and we've done that for years, and that's kind of what lent itself to us having this outlet again. We're like, we got to really figure this out, even though you're, you know, in the southern warmer hemisphere now, and I'm freezing my butt off up here in Ohio right now. Hey, town, baby. Um, we'll text and, like, kind of look at different things about the games and stuff. And I was the first one – you heard it in the open. We were talking. I remember vividly talking during the Browns Steelers playoff game when the Browns beat the Steelers. And this isn't a topic to take a dig at you, but I remember us talking about Ben's future at that time because then he came back the following year. Mm-hmm. And was, oh man, what are what are they doing having him throw so much? And I look back at the end of Ben's career now, and I think so much differently now than I did then because of seeing what they've done with the quarterback position since how much he was overcoming the, the, the shortcomings of that offense and what was around him and the play calling, they pretty much had to just let him be the one call the plays, go out, throw it 50 times a game because it has been such a train wreck with, it doesn't matter if it was Trubisky, Pickett, Mason Rudolph name, like to go that long without putting up, what was it? 400 yards of total offense was what you guys hit Mm -hmm. against the Bengals. Still only scored 13 points or 16 points or something. And so to go that long, I think so much differently to how much Ben was kind of holding that sinking ship of an offense together at that time, seeing what's been put out since then. No doubt about it. I mean, we are really missing seven right now uh, and everything that he brought to the table because we haven't even, and it would be one thing if we, would have found something average, a stopgap, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type quarterback to bring in and just hold it down. That's so what that Trubisky the guys was around, supposed to be, though. Yeah, and I don't think Trubisky had a fair shake, um, and I don't think the office. I think he went from Matt Nagy as calling his plays to Matt Canada because spot duty he did when he was in Buffalo for the one year. And he was holding the clipboard. He came in. He was on the clipboard, but he looked good in that day ball offense whenever he had a chance to to go out there and do stuff. And so um, I don't think he got a fair shake, uh, and I don't think he was in the best situation to um, perform. But that that I mean, that's another problem. I mean, he's he, when our players we're not bringing in the most talented quarterbacks, but we also aren't developing them, and we can't develop them, and it's. Don't get me going because I'm going to keep on going because there's so much <laughs> that I, I, I think is wrong. Uh, it's a domino effect because the coaching isn't great, but also – Dig, Trey. <laughs> Dig. Come on. Because it's not just I quarterback. I something it's that gets overlooked. Point, point to a position that is being developed. Like It's not just quarterback. Right. There was a point there we had three different O-line coaches in three years. And on top of that, not bringing in good O-line talent. So we lose Pouncey, we lose Ramon Foster, we lose DeCastro, we lose Villanueva, and we draft Kendrick Green to come in. We have Chuk Sakor for. These are the guys we drafted. And then we lose Mike Munchak, who was, he's a GOAT-type level O-line coach. I still think, actually, your O-line coach is 
Bill Probably Callahan the is the, the ones that I've had. He's a current goat right now, but Munchak had those guys playing. And so we lose him and we shuffled through three O-line coaches in three or four years. And so not only we don't have any continuity up front from a talent standpoint, they're hearing different things from different people. And so there's nothing, and I'm biased on this, but anybody who I think really knows it gets down to what makes a football team good. And there's examples of, of it all over. The teams that compete year in, year out, it starts up front in the trenches. And the O-line has to be solid in order for the run game to develop in turn to give your quarterback uh, options in the pass game, be it play action or whatever, in order for them to develop. It's rare cases where quarterbacks can overcome that stuff. But by and large, if the team isn't coming into a good situation or if the quarterbacks are coming in to a good situation offensively from an O-line standpoint or a running game standpoint, they're going to struggle. And so that's what we've had with Pittsburgh. Not only are we not bringing in talented quarterbacks that can't overcome it, we're not putting the guys in front to protect them and to help them develop. I got you a little riled up there, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I got you going. Yeah. I got to take some deep breaths for a second. Give me a a second. Have a sip of naughty water. (laughs) Have a little little sip of naughty water. And uh, I think this is a perfect time. Let's, uh, you want to, you want to do a little grind my gears? Oh, man, you just want me to keep on staying angry? But yes, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do a little grind my gears. Let's hit it. You know what really grinds my gears? Loud noises! And you know who I'm going to get pissed at? Go on. I cannot stand these Bengals fans that just come out the woodwork. Another thing that grinds my gears. Big guys up front. You're the ones with high blood pressure. Boy, that escalated quickly. In order to win, you have to be able to win from the pocket. Hey, that was quite a rant there. Boy, I tell you, that really grinds my gears. I'll let you go first. Oh. Grind my gears. We're going to talk about something first? that pisses us off. Yeah. So this will be something that, you know, kind of rubbed us the wrong way, pisses us off, something we look at every week. Um, I had a couple different options I was going to go with, but I want to get yours first. So I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for you and tell me, Trey, what I'm, grinds your gears? I'm actually going to shift gears a little bit, actually. I mean, there are plenty of things in this world today that get under my skin. There's social media always gives you something. Like, we're not going to lack for topics when this second comes up. But something that irked me, and it actually happened this morning, I read a post on Facebook. Now, mind you, the NBA just completed their in-season tournament, which I thought was a rounding success by and large. I thought it brought the casual fan in. They made some excitement where otherwise got what was this again? Are usually slow. What was this? The in, in season tournament. For what? The in season tournament for the NBA. Oh. And so I'm sorry, it's yeah, still football thought, season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're being a little facetious. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> the uh I thought the NBA uh do they identified a problem that they had, and that was getting because it's during football season, getting casual fans to watch the NBA when NFL is going on. And so um, during the dog days of the NBA season at the beginning of the year, there's just not as many eyes. And so they did a good job with the end-season tournament. I say all that to say, I saw this post today that said, why didn't AD get the end-season MVP over LeBron? And so if you watched, and I know you didn't, so I will inform you on what happened. The Lakers won the in-season tournament this year. And LeBron got the MVP. This is coming from a man that is a diehard Bulls and Michael Jordan fan. Always, when it comes to the GOAT conversation in the NBA, I'm MJ all day. But I respect the hell of LeBron James and what he's doing at this age, at this juncture of his career. It's unprecedented. Nobody else has been able to do this. And it's absolutely amazing at 38 years old that he's doing the type of things that he's doing right now. But the hate has escalated to a point where I just, it's unfathomable to me how you could sit here and hate a man who's 38 and putting up the numbers that he's putting up, carrying a whole franchise, one of the elite franchises in all the NBA. And he goes and does his thing in the end season tournament. And so the argument that this guy posted was why didn't AD get it over LeBron? Because AD had a good game in the championship. He had 40 and 20. Great game. 
I don't like AD anyway. They he's beat softest. your Pacers, right? They beat my Pacers. They beat uh, Halliburton, who's, who's been fantastic here. But, um, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, at some point later on down the line when you actually start watching the basketball. <laughs> um, again, but the hate that LeBron receives this year and for the lot for a long portion of his career, the lack of respect that I think he gets is beyond me. And it really grinds my gears because that dude is fantastic. And what he did, he does, he absolutely deserved MVP. There was no question who was going to get the MVP of the tournament uh, once it was done and they won it and they brought the championship home. But for this person to write that AD should have got it just because he had one good game. And mind you, AD got 40 and 20 in the championship game. His current stats ended up being 20 points, 13 and a half rebounds, and two blocks. Good stats, solid stats, but not MVP stats. And the fact that he needed 40 points to finally get his average to 20 means that he was probably averaging around 16 or 17 going into that well, championship. Let's be honest. Like in today's NBA, you and I could go out, run a little pick and jiggle, and we're going to get 10 and 5 in the defense that they play in today's NBA. The defense has been atrocious this yes. year, but it so, does give an exciting product. Give me 22 three-pointers to chuck up a game. I'm going to give you 10 points a night. Yo, Jay is like that? Oh. You got you, got, you working with the Jay? Yeah. My Jay, we're going to have a three-point contest. Okay. They don't call me Trey for no reason. You See, know, I got it. It's just naturally built I in. Don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a too far on my meter. I got a too close. If it's inside okay. the three-point line, <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> But I will extend okay. to the half court line if I need to, <laughs> and I will but pull yeah, from man, Never just, Never Land. We are witnessing something right now that we may never see again, or at least not for a long time, or not in our lifetime. And what LeBron is doing, it's comparable to what Brady was doing in the NFL. And yeah. I actually think at the level that he's playing right now, in a sport that's probably a little bit more, at least because it's a long season and it's 82 games and plus playoffs, a little bit more physically demanding with all the road trips they got to do the back-to-back games. Um, For somebody at age 38 at season 21 with all the miles that he's logged on the basketball court to be able to be doing the things that he's doing right now, he deserves zero and all the love right now. So there's not enough time in this episode (laughs) to unpack my relationship and feelings towards LeBron James because (laughs) – it is a very, very love-hate relationship. Um, there's no middle ground. It's the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Um, yeah. But he's one of two. It. He's, I mean, he's one of two. And that's... There's no doubt about that, it. That is mm-hmm. what he is at this point. Um, but what I... You know, the NBA season is just so new and it's it's not its time yet. But I, I, I get what you're saying. I can see why that would ruffle your feathers. I'm going to go back a little bit further because this has still got me steaming and what grinds my gears is the college football playoff situation and now kirk herbstreet doubling down and talking about florida state fans quote unquote bitching at him and stuff like that it's it's a bad look first of all especially Mm -hmm. him working for the four-letter network that um, has such a big part in not only the SEC, but the television show that they produce every week for the rankings and then the college football playoff show. But it, it still grinds my gears for... The reasoning that was used behind it, okay? College football, football, and I, I played quarterback. It is not just a one-position sport. It is not just about the quarterback. Um, We just watched a Monday night football game. You know, according to the college football playoff committee, um, the Giants shouldn't have even played that game, let alone win it, because they got their second, third-string quarterback out there playing against Jordan Love, who's the Packers' first-string quarterback. And, you know, the Titans should have not even shown up for that game against the Dolphins because the Dolphins are – Leading, they were the number one seed in the AFC a couple weeks ago, and they got MVP candidates on their team, and they're going to be a 14-point favorite, and they put up 40 points a game, and the Titans shouldn't even show up for that game. Well, they won. That's why you play the games. I understand the eye tests and things like that when it comes down to it, when you have two teams with the same record. 
But when you look at Alabama, you can't tell me that you're going to hold it against Florida State for only beating Louisville by double digits because with their third-string quarterback, mind you, that's the game plan that they needed to win that game. In a sloppy, nasty weather, they held a Louisville team that put up 400 yards of offense and 33 points a game. They held them to six points. And they won with a third-string quarterback by double digits while they were already ranked number four going into that weekend. You hold that against them in a conference championship game, but you don't hold it against Alabama, who just a week prior needed a Hail Mary on fourth and 31 to beat Auburn, a 6-6 six and six team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if they don't get that Hail Mary, Alabama doesn't even have a chance. And what really bothers me about it, and tell me if I'm wrong, if Alabama loses to, to Auburn the week prior, I would bet any amount of money on it, Georgia only drops to four and they still keep Florida State out. That's what their decision told you is that they, the influence of the money, the influence of the SEC, the influence of ESPN supersedes what we call, and we have known to to acknowledge the game of football as being the ultimate team sport. Yep. You go out and you play the games, you're undefeated. You win your conference as a power five champion. You're undefeated for the first time ever, and you're left out of the playoffs, that's just wild to me. Like, and, and I have zero ties to, I'm not a fan of, I don't care about Florida State one iota. You know, it's, there's, there's nothing for me. Actually, where my allegiances lie, and as a fan, it's better for me that Alabama made it. As much as I get annoyed with the SEC, I didn't want Michigan having a, a layup game again against Florida State. It is good for me as a as a Buckeye fan that Michigan has to go through Nick Saban now with 30 days to prepare for them. Wait, 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 wait. Before you continue, you – so do you even care about the Big Ten? No. Do you hate Michigan that much where you do not care? This ain't the, the SEC. So I lived in Florida for a long time where I saw all these lame asses whenever their team was done and lost, and you then hear the SEC, SEC, SEC crap all season long because your team was bad. I got so sick of seeing Florida and all these other schools put Alabama success as if it was a part of their resume. You ain't winning championships. Not even made a playoff. Shut up. Alabama's the one but- who won it. We, 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 we are in desperate need because I am tired of what you're just talking about. SEC fans, when their team is out, they're Alabama fans. Oh, it's so annoying. It's the worst thing ever. And so because of that, I was like, we need some get back. And so, yes, I don't like Michigan, and I hate y'all whenever y'all go too. But once okay. you're there, <laughs> I want y'all to win. Bring it home to the Big Ten so the next year we can beat the defending national championship in our conference. I would root for every it's other school. Reasons, but, I would root for every other school yeah. in the Big Ten in that game, but Michigan. Oh, okay. So it's just the Ohio State Michigan. Yes. Like it's not that. Okay. No, like, okay. like so let's say Northwestern's in a bowl. I'm not rooting against Northwestern. Even Michigan State, the year that they made the playoff, I knew they were going to get waxed, but I wanted Michigan mm-hmm. State to to win their game. Penn State, it's I don't really sure. care. I think Penn State is just sad to me. They're just yeah. they're just sad. They're I mean <laughs> talent it, and it's not their fault. They're on the same side of the division as Ohio State. But now they're going to be like 6 in the conference every year behind USC, Oregon, Ohio State. It's it's going to be not good for them. So just your virtue off for Michigan prevents you from rooting for them. You don't see Big Ten. You just see Michigan. Yes. And you hate Michigan. Yeah. Okay. And I don't care about right. the success of the conference. Like, if Northwestern goes to a bowl game and wins, okay. You know, I put money on Northwestern one year to win the Big Ten West. I won that bet. They went 6-6. Six and six. It was great. All six <laughs> wins were in, the divi- were in their division. <laughs> and yeah. I won that bet. We will but, do that. Um, <sighs> No, like you know, Iowa. I don't. I don't care what Iowa. I don't. I don't root against them. Michigan. I will root against. And I'm not rooting for Alabama. I'm just rooting against Michigan. And I would have rooted for Florida State. But I will say this, and it's weird. My literal hell is Florida and Michigan playing each other in a bowl game. 
having lived down there. So, Florida, Michigan, is that what you said? Yes. Because the SEC thing, the Gator, the Gator fans are the worst. And oh, like I don't actually don't I don't know a lot about Gator fans. I got a couple teammates that were Gator fans. I didn't think they were as bad as Bama fans or Ohio State fans because y'all are absolute worst. They're the worst as an Ohio State fan living in Florida. So let me give you a brief history. Okay, of me and my fandom. I was always more an NFL fan because I'm from Cleveland. I was always mm-hmm. more an NFL fan than college fan. Okay. Um, I moved to Florida for a while and because of the urban Meyer stuff and him leaving there to go to Ohio state. Um, and then even before then I remember being in a, and this was, you know, I wasn't even a huge, huge Buckeye fan at the time because I was as a kid pissed when the Browns moved because the Browns tried to work out a deal to rebuild their stadium. This is what was told to me. They tried to work out a deal to rebuild their state, rebuild a stadium in Cleveland. And they Mm -hmm. would have just played in Columbus for two years while it was being built and then gone back to Cleveland and Ohio state wouldn't allow it. So I like, I kind of wrote off Ohio state for a portion of my life. Then I moved to Florida in like 2007 um, and you had the Florida beat Ohio State in the national championship, which I was like, yeah, you know, that one didn't bother me so much. But a couple years later, it might have even been the next year, Ohio State plays LSU, and I'm living in a condo in Florida, and my neighbor invites me to a party for the national championship game. He's a big LSU fan, and it's me and my brother, the only ones, like, watching with interest for Ohio State. We just went to, for the party. But by the end of the night, all these Bayou hillbillies are talking crap to me and my brother like because we're from Ohio and then that was like my first I was like okay I'm from Ohio it's a part of the tribalism of being from Ohio now so then after that I got a job I was actually working at ESPN radio in Columbus for the flagship station of Ohio State so you get to know people around the program and stuff like that Um, so my fandom started to grow again then I went back to Florida for another stint and that was when it really came out how just butthurt Florida fans were over the Urban Meyer right. thing. and oh, The Urban Meyer thing, yeah. Because they've been terrible since. Since mm-hmm. he, like, they've sniffed they a cup been. of coffee. Since he left, yeah. Yeah. So right. that's the full, you know, quick five-minute story of my disdain for Florida. It had to do with living down there. The SEC thing is so obnoxious. You can't keep taking credit for the success of Georgia, Alabama, in LSU. Like, I feel like I would be so lame as a Buckeye fan if Michigan won a national championship this year. And I'm like celebrating with Michigan fans. Like, that's. But it does come, at least it's handy when you're having what team, what conference is best. You kind of want to have a bone in that argument. We don't right now. And I had it. I have a buddy. His name is Chuck. He played, he went to the University of Tennessee, didn't play football, but is an obnoxious volunteer fan and so we've had arguments over the years about which conference was better and i thought sec got the benefit of the doubt whenever it came to rankings whenever it came to preseason rankings it was always six or seven sec teams in there and then they would lose a non-conference game and then play against each other in conference and then have like a cupcake 70 or 75% into the season, like maybe like game 10 or 11. And now all of a sudden they're ranked in the top 15 again, even though all they did was beat each other within the SEC. And so from that, you know, domino effect, did they get better recruits with up? And so I don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to Big Ten versus SEC. I wanted, a, I want at least one leg. Can we get a Big Ten championship? Northwestern's not going to bring it. Northwestern's definitely not going to bring it anytime soon. Next year. I need you guys to come through. <laughs> or Michigan to come through and win us a national championship so I can tell Chuck to shut up. And I'm tired of him. <laughs> but you got my grind, my gears grinded again about this. I mean, yeah, this whole playoff thing was just such a disappointment, man, to just see. And all I did, all I feel, I feel the worst is for the kids from the FSU. Like, how do you tell yep. these kids? All you got to do is win. You, you're in a power five conference. You go undefeated. You do everything you're supposed to do. 
and you're already in playoff position. You beat the Heisman Trophy winner also. Like, let's remember that. You're out of conference game was beating an SEC team with a quarterback who won the Heisman Trophy, which that's right. We got to get into that one day. We don't got enough time today, but they, ooh. um, Yeah. You, you, your conversations with your buddy Chuck. I'm going to, I want to do a deep dive into this SEC thing because we'll never have a leg up. And, you know, we're going to say that for Thursday. I'll tell you why we're never going to have a leg up with the SEC. Maybe with with the new 12-team playoffs, but I doubt it. But as it stood before, we'll never have that leg up, and I'll tell you why. But um, this is this is the show. This is, this it, is what this we're going to do. Um, might have a guest on Thursday we were talking about. Um, I got a couple of guys in mind. Yeah. Stay tuned. So we're going to – Stay gonna... tuned. I think we're – We'll have some good, uh, some good football minds, and not even good football minds. We're gonna traverse different sectors in this world, different people from different cultures. Not gonna be all football yeah. avenues of life. Not gonna be all football. And, uh, not even gonna be all sports. We're gonna talk movies, music, right. food, gambling. It's, it's gonna be all. Lots of food. Lots of food. We will uh, do it again Thursday. Do it again a couple days. Let's do this again. All this right, man. Good. I'll talk good. to you. All right, bro.